Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we spoil your favorite games and the occasional movie. After a few months of being away, we are back, baby. Oh, it feels good. Oh, so good. We are bringing the show back with a game that has been hot and cold. What do I mean by that? Well, you play as the main character who battles lichens, zombies, werewolves, vampires, possessed dolls, and abominations in a town tucked away in the freezing cold mountains of somewhere Europe. I am thrilled today as we are going to be talking about Resident Evil Village, Capcom's newest installment of this incredibly popular IP. But before we launch into the crazy story and introductions of the crew who will be joining me for our return, just a few quick reminders. If this is your first time here and you are loving what you are hearing, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to hear more from us, head over to swordchomp.com where we have more podcasts, written reviews of the newest titles, a merch store that has some of the coolest merch ever, completely unbiased there, and plenty more. Lastly, if you want to support us so we can continue to make wonderful content such as this and earn something in return, please consider going to patreon.com slash where you will find a plethora of tiers to get additional and exclusive content such as access to a private Discord and Instagram, Patreon-exclusive podcasts, and much more. Okay, now that we are done with the admin and it's out of the way, let me introduce you to the crew who will be here for this most exquisite of discussions today. First, I am joined by a man who claims to have played every Resident Evil game known to man, yet somehow is sick of zombies. Always coming back for more, it's Mr. Contradiction himself, Mr. Rich the Fister Meister. Now, that nickname isn't real. I just wanted to make a bit of a tongue twister with your name, which seemingly worked on me. But how are you doing, Rich? I'm good. I'm more of a boulder-punching bastard. I'm back from fighting the bad people in Nevada. Ah, okay. Okay, my bad. I'm sorry. I I mixed up that intro. I must have mixed it up with the the, the porn... The porn chomping after dark we're going to be doing next. I apologize. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the zom- your zombie criticism, I don't think uh, makes me... I don't think it's much of a contradiction, because I don't think really there have been uh, zombies in Resident Evil, per se, since 3. Eh, we're splitting hairs at that point. Are we? I mean, but- the Ganados are not zombies, uh, it was really more of a lichen situation here. Leon went to Nevada to fight some bat people at one point. Uh, there's some zombie adjacent creatures, I guess. They're well, reanimated, goddammit. Not all of them. <laughs> Me and you together. But no, I'm glad you're here, Rich. It's going to be a really fun discussion. I know that you and I, and even Josh to some degree, who I'm going to introduce here in a second, have kind of been holding back on our thoughts on this game and they've just been like they've been bubbling for almost a month now and i'm really excited because i know how into the story that you got so it's going to be really fun to talk about it it's so dumb and i love it 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But glad you're here, Rich. Next, I am joined by a man who claims nothing scares him except... I'm going to try and not butcher this. The bourgeoisie. <laughs> I can't do it. Bourgeoisie? 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 I can't pronounce yeah, bourgeoisie. bourgeoisie. Ascending to the elite and forgetting where they came from. I almost had it. Fuck! We have Mr. Balls of Steel, Joshua Fowler. Josh, it's good to see you. How are you faring? Worn out. I, I am worn out. This this week has been just way too busy. Way too busy, and I'm coming down off of this week still. Haven't haven't yet completely completed yeah, the I, chill. I know you were doing a lot of those porn reshoots, weren't you? <sighs> like, you tell them to shoot coverage the day you're there. You yeah. tell them to do that, and they still think they've got enough. No, we don't need a second crew. Like, these insurance... Er, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> One mm-hmm. cleanup crew is enough. Mm-hmm. Okay? So unprofessional. I think the thing that really boggled me this week when you were telling me the story was that um, they had to get a wider lens camera because they couldn't get all of you in one picture. Like, they had to get a wider lens. That's incredible and also infuriating. It's like, come on, be more professional. Know who you're filming. We're here to shoot fuck films, sir. Yeah. Be professional. Fuck films? Fuck Fuck films. films. Well, Josh, I'm glad, I'm glad you got glad you got fluids in your body to recharge, and I don't mean that in the other way. I mean that was like the other Gatorade film. and uh, electrolyte. Electrolytes, yeah. <laughs> yes, those. But no, I'm glad you're here, Josh. I'm sorry that you had a rough week. Um, hopefully, next week filming yeah. is better for you. And if Josh is the man. With balls of steel, then I, Shay, and the man with balls made of yarn. This game made me feel like the most scared of scaredy cats on my first playthrough, and I'm really, really excited to get into this game, if you couldn't tell. I've been, oh, I've just been holding everything back, and I, I've talked a little bit with pe- pe- people about the end of this game, but it just, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to just fully unleashed with you guys i've been waiting and waiting and it's time so from this point on as is customary around these here parts should have said around these here parts there will be spoilers if you haven't made it around to finishing this game or you haven't been able to roll credits yet go wrap up ethan's story enjoy the wild ride and come back but now Turn the lights down low. Slip into something more comfortable. Have your weapon of choice by your side, just in case a zombie sneaks into your place of residence. And sip on a nice, tasty beverage. God damn it, I forgot to mute Skype. As we tell you a tale by the fireplace. God damn it. You're the one that sent the test, so you had no idea if it, uh... The game start... Who's to say? My bad, I'm... (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. I failed you as the host of this podcast. (laughs) The game starts out three years after the events of Resident Evil 7. 
Ethan Winters is at home with his wife, Mia, and their newborn daughter, Rosemary. They are seen leading a peaceful life after being relocated to Europe. As they are having a quiet evening, Chris Redfield and his squad break into their home and kill Mia. They kidnap Ethan's daughter and knock Ethan out. Ethan awakens near a crashed transport truck at night. Trudging through snow, he comes across a village buried in the mountains. He makes his way to the village as the sun crests over the mountaintop slowly. As he peruses through the village, he finds signs of something sinister and foul. He cannot find anyone alive, but finds bloodstains and hears creatures lurking. After finally coming across a house with a survivor, he is attacked by a lichen. He shoots and kills it. He finds and attempts to save more villagers, but is unsuccessful. He is then captured and brought to Mother Miranda and her four horsemen. Alcina Dimitrescu? Dimitresk? Dimitresk. Dimitresk, excuse me. Alcina Dimitresk? Donna Beneviento, I don't have the. <laughs> Beneviento! Salvatore Moreau! And Carl Heisenberg. Wow, a ton happens within the first hour of the game. Action, suspense, and a little bit of The horror. bad guy from Breaking Bad. Who knew? Who knew? Rich, what was your first impression of the beginning plot of the game? Um, I think we, we talked about this a little bit on the Chompcast, and once you hit that part with the uh, the four sort of horsemen introduction that I think is is supposed to, in my opinion, and I think you know, we find a lot of people who can kind of... I think we might have talked about this even, that you guys can see the comparison to like the, the dining room scene in Seven of sort of like introducing your cast of villains. Um, I, I think that's where it gets interesting for me, and that is because that's where it gets stupid. Um, the first like hour or so prior to that, because you did cover a lot of ground there, if I'm being honest, which I'm glad you did, because it means we can get into the meat of this. Um, first hour or so is a little slow, and I feel a lot of that is due to them pying, try, attempting to pay homage to Resident Evil 4 and not quite sticking the landing. Um, with that lichen encounter in the village initially, it's it's very much trying to go wink, wink, nudge, nudge, remember uh, going into that little village in Spain in Resident Evil 4. And the novelty works, but it, the scene isn't executed quite as well. But once it decides to set the stage for what it's going to be, which is unbelievably stupid, but also unbelievably cool, that's where it, it, it really gets where it's going. Yeah, yeah, I... It, it definitely, for me, and I'll, I'll just insert my th quick thoughts before I throw it to Josh. I honestly really liked the intro. It felt very, very much like it picked up where Seven kind of left off in terms of tone. Not, and obviously narrative, yes, the plot. But in terms of tone, because if you guys remember from the beginning of Seven... Um, you are walking up to the house in Louisiana and you kind of are trying to figure out what the vibe is and you start going into the house a little bit and you're investigating and you're trying to figure out where you're at and it starts hitting you with those moments of suspense and horror. 
um not so much horror at that point a little bit but and it kind of had the same vibe here too when you're first getting into the village and after you crash and like you're walking mm-hmm. up to the village it had a very similar tone which i really liked i liked that a lot um the the obviously the plot and yeah like you said rich we talked about it on the chomp cast it's kind of nuts at the beginning because i did not expect mia to just die within oh, the that first scene 10 is minutes great of she it's, really takes a bullet like an, an entire magazine of bullets <laughs> She knows how to take a bullet, if you know what I mean. Whatever that means. Um, I mean, but, literally. <laughs> yeah. But, no, it's it's kind of crazy. lights her up like Chinese some, New Year. And one of the things that I agree with you now in retrospect, but at the time, I, it impacted me a little bit more, is at the beginning, I had breezed by uh, Ethan finding some survivors and what's interesting is he has an adverse react to Mia and his child being taken. I think he's kind of like in the state of shock, which they do a pretty good job of conveying that. But when you go through this house of survivors and basically uh, one of the survivors turns and just creates all this chaos and eventually all the survivors in that house die except you he has this moment where he's like, why is everybody dying on me? And, and I remember we talked about this, like why was it at that moment that he finally just had the, the, the break. And at the time it was really impactful for me. I was like, I kind of empathized. I was like, man, that really fucking sucks. His child has been taken. His wife has been killed. And now the shred of hope in this village, everybody's getting killed. Like the, the survivor who gives him the gun, all these people in this house, basically everybody is dying. And I, I felt like it was impactful at the time and looking back at, I, I still think it's impactful, but it was also a little bit silly <laughs> that that was the moment. I was going to say, I, I, I think I never found it impactful. And the only reason for me is because Ethan Winters is a goddamn cartoon character whose emotional state, like ping pongs back and forth from one direction to the other his attitude about everything is the most like, I can't believe we're doing this. Cox gun. I guess we're fucking doing this. Yeah. You're not wrong at all. I mean, yeah. And I can understand He's the ultimate that. video game protagonist. Me, mm-hmm. Yeah. I empathize more. Cause I, I was imagining myself being in that situation and I would feel the same exact way that he feels like fucking everybody's dying or disappearing on me. I, I can't do anything. And, uh, I think that, is easier to do because it's a first person game and there'll be more talk about that later, but I've talked long enough. Josh, what were your first impressions of the plot of the beginning Um, of the game? I don't know. I, I also felt like it was really slow. Um, also after playing seven, me is so fucking creepy that I, I still think that the shorter, less gameplay, worse, you know, game experience is the better story experience, and I was just baffled of, you know, why they'd continue from his wife being alive at all at the beginning of that. I'm like, no, no, it's, it's got to be the way. But, well, to be fair, there yeah, are answers but, to that, including the her still being yeah, fucking creepy thing. Um, and it's just like, it's so creepy. It's like everything about Mia is creepy and then they're trying to sell you this happy home life thing before you know the inciting incident 
kibitz off, and it was just st- still, s- it was so unsettling to begin with that I wasn't really on board. Um, when they when they when they you didn't like killed her, her off, I'm like, I actually agree okay, that. well that, that saves me the problem of her accidentally, you know, going completely psycho and killing both of us in our sleep five years from now. Um, no, I agree with you. Actually, it's something that I didn't um, internalize well enough. But now that you said it, yeah, I agree with you completely. As they're they're doing like their happy home shit and she's like what it's, are you doing up there yeah like, i'm putting the it's so unsettling i was just like oh what's gonna happen when i go back downstairs yeah, it's there are there are a lot of flashbacks of her basically like gaslighting ethan for wanting mm-hmm. to talk to a therapist yeah it's it's <laughs> it is a anyway but like that's that's the very beginning and so i was like kind of obviously like you still have to go save your kid or whatever but like that's <laughs> yeah parts of them um I don't know. Like the, the whole setup to me felt a little bit. All setups for these games are a little strange, but I feel like the setup for seven was significantly stronger as far as making me want to go do this thing. Um, well, here it's more difficult, probably because of where seven mm-hmm. left Ethan. To have Ethan be the main character again, you really need to do some legwork of why the fuck would Ethan Winters follow Chris Redfield to Europe yeah. to fight werewolves? Yeah, exactly. And it, I don't know, it yep. just narratively was not doing as much for me, you know, to get me in, you know, involved at that point. But then again, it's it's Resident Evil, so. Which is Resident Evil is anime, mm-hmm. just so we can be clear. And anime. I love anime. I love anime. There it is. That's what I need. I need, like, <laughs> Josh, we need to get a soundboard mm-hmm. and, like, just have those things. Actually, <clears throat> got to put something in the Trello so I don't forget doing this live on the podcast. Anyways, <laughs> um, do you guys have any... Important thoughts before we move on to the next portion of the game. Um, the uh, as I said just now, Resident Evil is anime. The introduction of the Four Horsemen is the most anime thing Resident Evil has ever done, apart from when it was actually mm-hmm. anime. Yeah, I mean, I guess before we move on, like I, Fair point. the Fair village point. itself, the titular village, is, I think, one of the strongest locations in the game like it it feels really like lived in i don't necessarily agree Um, Uh, i guess i guess narratively the the thing that bugs me about the village is i think it's laid out with no like it it makes no fucking sense like i think it is one of the hardest gameplay wise navigate um uh in in terms of like set dressing and stuff i agree with you uh the layout of the map around the village itself is the worst map in the entire fucking game. And it is by the nature of a thing that gets bigger as you keep coming back to it. Cause it is the hub of the spoke Mm -hmm. hub and spoke, uh, way this game is laid out. And there's a lot of, well, the map says I can go this way, but no, there's a fucking tractor here. That's not reflected on the map of the town before literally, but that's more gameplay. The roads are blocked somewhere. Um, yeah, 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 but I, in a narrative sense, it yes, works. I would yeah. agree with you. I it, I think it's very strong, and I think 
the beginning has does some heavy lifting there having you kind of going through a lot of these buildings early on uh without anything happening to you really lends itself to that and showing you a lot of the places that have been boarded up or blocked off because of what was happening and it it, it it's cool because the village evolves over time like rich was saying um obviously from a gameplay perspective you start to unlock things and certain things happen there but it also becomes really interesting narratively as um ethan has to do various things around the village and eventually chris has to do things around the village which yeah. we will get to much later in this podcast but, yeah i like how the village evolves with the narrative mm-hmm. so. okay let's get to the next section the game starts out three years after wait i already read that what the fuck am i doing today guys mm. i'm off it's been a while. We have not done this show in Get a while. Get your shit together. Off. <laughs> Sorry. Whew. Shake it out. Shake it out. It's all right. We all make mistakes. You couldn't host your way out of a paper bag. <laughs> Stop it. It brings back memories. Okay. Ethan narrowly escapes Heisenberg's death machine. He finds his way into Lady Dimitrescu's castle to look for Rosemary, his daughter. He meets the Duke a local merchant. More on him later. Throughout the castle, he learns about Dimitrescu and her three daughters. After killing the daughters, he confronts Lady Dimitrescu. So I have two questions here. We'll start with the first one. The castle is an interesting section because it feels very much inspired, excuse me, very much inspired by Resident Evil 2. The way you solve puzzles in each room Do you and mean how one? Lady Dimitrescu is chasing you feels very adjacent to that game. Rich, what did you think of the castle sequence as a whole? Castle sequence is my favorite sequence of the game. Um, and I would I would argue it probably is closer to Resident Evil 1. Uh, it feels very evocative of the Spencer Mansion to me. Yeah. Um, in terms of design... There's some really cool narrative set dressing stuff there. Um, as you're obviously reading through the diaries and things like that, like these documents you'll find in the castle, much as you do in every area. Um, Demi Trask and her quote-unquote vampire daughters, they're more of like mm-hmm. bug ladies. Um, they, they don't operate quite by vampire rules, but I think that's one of the more interesting things. You very early on discover that... Um, is it? It's the breeze. Am, am I correct in that? Is I'm remembering. Um, yeah, it's um, the. Uh, you need to like shoot it, out it's, windows. It's, it's the yeah, temperature to make them vulnerable. So you're. The temperature drop. Yes. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's snowing outside, and you just kind of pop the windows to get this breeze in. Um, but just the overall layout of the castle, it reminded me of both Resident Evil One, and of the uh, of Ramon Salazar's castle from Resident Evil Four, which are like two of my favorite Resident Evil sequences ever. Um, and one sequence in this whole area I wanted to point out is like being incredibly memorable. There's a point where you go into like a wine cellar and the floor is in like waist high blood. Um, and you're just kind of slowly wading through this and you'll see like ripples as things drop from the ceiling and you're just on the lookout for enemies rising up out of this lake of fucking blood. It's, it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I think this is the strongest section in the entire game. Um, 
narratively because you're still learning so much. There's a ton of information you don't have. Uh, later on, you kind of stuff's happening, but you kind of like you know where everything's going. It like it's just this is a really strong section because of everything going on for it. the The location is really non-linear um, as far as how you explore stuff. They they'll well, a lot of games do this, dense. but like it does a few things where it's like um, you'll go in one direction and you'll kind of be going more or less room to room to room and see you loop back around and find your way again. Um, and they do that for a few sections that are more like horror based, but then a lot of the puzzle stuff that you've got to do is you just kind of exploring the castle and picking which direction you want to go and having to memorize the lo- the layout of stuff um, as you go. And I feel like they do a really good job of kind of giving you one and then the other. Um, it just, it, everything about it works perfectly. I think that it is, it is my favorite section of the game. Um, by Agreed, just, yeah. by a, by a lot. Uh, it's, it's really strong. And every other section has its high points for me, which we'll obviously talk about. But this just across the board, it's I couldn't I could navigate that fucking castle with yeah. my eyes shut yeah, at this it's a, point. It's a, yeah, like I know that location better than any of the others. Um just because of how strong it is. I think it's the most fleshed out, which is part of the reason why. Mm-hmm. Um I I would agree with you guys. To me, this is probably one of my favorite areas. It's largely because you spend so much time in this area as compared to the other three. Yeah. It feels like you spend almost as much time in this castle the first playthrough as you do the village. Uh, yeah. The other areas you spend less um, time in. and The factory, the yeah, factory like the first might be and, comparable. The, and the last are all both fairly long. Um and then the two in the middle are That's true. basically That's linear. True. The whole well, the th- bite-sized. Ex- well, two. Uh, the I want to say that the the reservoir is a little bit more just like this area is pretty big, but it's yeah, almost straight it's like shots a, to where yeah. you're going. Yeah, but we, we, we can talk more about that there, when we yeah, get there. Anyway, yeah, I really liked um, the castle. Besides it feeling really fleshed out, I love the whole gothic vibe of it. I really like the setting. I also liked how, um, and this is to me part part of the reason why I related it so much to Resident Evil 2, and I don't have a lot of experience with Resident Evil 1, which is why that reference is there for me, but I remember obviously moving through the station into you would find documents and it would impart a little bit more information. I think that's pretty standard for a lot of games now, but it gave me, like, there were so many things that gave me the vibes of two um but i really like how they rolled out a little bit of information about the three daughters and um how they consistently rolled more of that information out throughout the rest of the game but it really sets up the curiosity like it instills that level of you should be curious about this because we're gonna we're gonna go into it later they do such a good job is this place Right, they're, but they're, they're doing such a good job of slowly trickling that information out to you and making it accessible if you want to go looking for it. 
Um, if not, it can be just kind of like a straight up horror action sequence for you. And that yeah. is the extent of it. But if you want to get more into it and pour more into that castle, it makes itself readily available in a way that the village doesn't. Um, we kind of talked about how uh, gameplay, it kind of bars you later on from just easily going through this village and finding things. It, it sometimes becomes a nightmare to find those things. And I think that also affects the narrative in some ways. And whereas the castle granted the, the whole thing, the whole thing there is you are solving puzzles to get deeper in the castle. But once you have it figured out, it's not this huge maze of figuring everything out. You spent so much time in there that you know where to go. And it, it was really cool. And even within the castle, you have, like Rich was saying, you have different sections which add to the narrative, which, man, yeah, I, I really like that castle sequence a lot. I think it's a great blend of action and horror and suspense. It, um, it encapsulates that really well. So I really like that sequence. But the second question I have for you guys is obviously this game is a love letter to its former installments into the Resident Evil universe while also carving out its own place. Do you guys feel like the game leaned too heavily on what they've made before, or do you feel like it balances past and present well enough? I think it took the right lessons from the past. I, I Some people wanted a little bit more, and I'm not necessarily opposed to it, of the straight horror vibes that um, Seven was doing. But for me, as someone who absolutely adores Resident Evil 4, it's one of my favorite games of all time, it took the best of 4 and marred it with the best of 7 into, like, an exceptional, yeah. exceptional game. I think it's taking the right lessons yeah, from no, its past. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I was not a big fan of 7. A lot of people loved that, but I'm... I'm it, it was still pretty much... pretty Lots of Resident Evil... DNA in 7. Like, it didn't completely, you know, leave the format. Um, but it sure corrected for yes, 6, but, which was uh, yeah, point, point a lot being, of mistakes. A lot of horror games, um, they're not really all that scary, and they're kind of expecting a lot of the gameplay to be you being scared by stuff um and so they're just kind of weak mechanically um outside of that um and this yes this, this fall does absolutely not yeah. fall into that trap i feel like they they put enough of the exploration and um puzzle solving um uh, yeah and, and even the shooting is like mm -hmm. it, it's a solid yeah, shooter and, and you know the combat mechanics back in there to make it just a satisfying game that's you know, horror themed, but doesn't rely horror action. Yeah, it doesn't rely so on anything, the yeah. scares to be kind of the only thing to make you want to go through it. It's more a tone than um, it's more of a horror tone than straight horror, which I think lends itself better when it comes to. Yeah, video I mean, games. like I think you can do the other. Like there are games that do it well. I mean. It it is much harder, harder do, and I, I think, think it kind of relies sure. on more of a psychological. Like I, Silent Hill Two, like is more or less straight horror. Like they, you know, 
they'll throw combat at you occasionally, but like that is not what the game is about. Um, and so many other games have tried to do stuff like that, and it, and just it's just been flat. Um, right. Yeah. And one thing I want to mention to kind of add, because I agree with you guys with pretty much everything you said. I don't really want to add too much to it because I would just be repeating. Uh, one thing I want to mention is that you guys said that the shooting is pretty solid in this game, which I would agree with, and it's so much so that they added the mercenaries mode, which um, is pretty much no narrative, just go and shoot things. And it's engaging and really mm-hmm. fun. Um, I've since played a lot of that mercenaries mode, and I really enjoy it. So, uh, Granted, that has nothing to do with narrative. I just wanted to point that out and give it its flowers so to speak but it's welcome yeah, the mercenaries is back yeah i always i always enjoyed that um was it do you guys remember if it was in five like i, I know I, the last time i remember really engaging with it was four i can't remember i cannot remember if it was in five. five it's been ages i'd have to go back to to check honestly don't remember a single thing about five or six to be honest with you i remember <laughs> that six was bad i don't even remember that but Let's I'll remember for you. <laughs> Thank you. Let's thrust forward for just a few quick seconds. Um, which is uh, what my never mind. After he defeats Your her, nickname. he finds a rectangular flask that contains Rosemary's head. He brings it to the Duke in the village, who informs Ethan that Miranda placed Rosemary's body parts in four flasks given to each horseman for a special ritual. Ethan can however, restore her if he captures the other flasks. This is the first moment that the story truly goes off the rails for me, I felt. (laughs) Without getting too much into how it pays off in the end, Josh, with you having your own children, did you find the scene discomforting like others who played through the game? Um, I mean... It's, it's, also, has that ever just, happened to you? Again, it's like so goofy that like the the emotion they're trying to get from you, I guess, just doesn't come across because like just the very concept of it that he is completely on board with. Oh so yeah, absurd. no, I'll go collect the pieces of my kid so we can just put them back together. He's immediately on board with that. Like that never crosses his mind. That's the scene. That he's wasting his time with this. It's. That's the scene that proves Ethan is yeah. the perfect video game protagonist. It's he he has that brief 30 second moment of disgust and shock and then the duke's like, "But we can fix her." And he's like, "Yeah. All right, I'm in." <laughs> you son mm-hmm. of a bitch, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't find this particular scene granted I don't have children, but I teach hundreds of children every week that I didn't really find it disturbing. I was just like, "This is wacky." Mm-hmm. Let's see how it plays out. And that was the extent of my thoughts. Um, <laughs> Anime. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I felt like the the game and the writers handled it with enough brevity to make it ridiculous enough to be like, ah, don't take this too seriously. But I guess some people found a way to be offended or bothered. So good for them. The show. And, like, I'm usually not one to target people or anything like that for what they feel because I, I, I don't typically like that but I think this Leave is one of me, the then. rare situations where I was like how did someone get fucking offended by this to be honest with you 
Um, it's very rare that I say anything like that, but yeah, this is one yeah, of those. Situations I don't know. Where I, was I like, mean, it's fucking. It, horror games it's more usually than anything only have kids be the creepy enemies that are you know trying to kill you or something. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if <laughs> if you're gonna. If you're gonna play a horror game. Expect creepy, yeah. disgusting, gross shit. I mean, I'm not advocating that people go as far as something like a Serbian film, take it all the way that direction. But um, I mean, there's gonna be some creepy shit. And yeah. the thing is, it's yeah. I, I guess I guess if I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. Next, okay. Ethan goes to Donna. Beneviento's house up on a hillside. Upon entering and making his way to the basement of the house, his weapons are all stolen by Donna's creepy doll. He must solve the puzzles to escape. As he is close... <laughs> You're right, Josh. As he is close to escaping the basement to which he is locked in, he is chased by a creepy baby abomination that cries and giggles as it shuffles towards him. He escapes the basement and confronts Donna and her doll. He dispatches of her by stabbing the doll with a pair of scissors repeatedly. To me, the world was truly deprived when it never got the full game from the PT demo. That demo now lives in our minds and the few lucky people who managed to save it on their PS4s. Josh, do you feel like the sequence was as close to the PT demo as anyone has gotten to date in terms of the suspense and constant tension while playing? Um, no. Um, I've heard of a lot of comparisons to that, and I do think the, oh, it's just like a normal house bits work well um as far as like you know being unsettling because they're close enough to everyday life that having them be a little twisted uh you know <coughs> really it's yeah game like, games it house. really works at creeping you out um but uh, <sighs> I don't know. I felt like the 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 enemy in this one with the you know, oh creepy dolls, creepy babies, is like such, you know, shorthand for. <sighs> we don't have an idea for an enemy, so so so. You know, creepy kid stuff, um, that I just it I I I don't. <sighs> I don't know if I'd agree with that. While you're collecting I, your thoughts, the one thing I want to say is I know that those dolls are really fucking creepy. Um, and I know, like, if you think about it, like, back in the day when our grandmothers had those weird, creepy, childlike dolls sitting in their living rooms. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, listeners, did. please Google this shit because there's some truly fucking creepy dolls out there that I think it kind of plays on... I think that speaks to the crowd who would be playing this game. I mean, it's 30-something-year-olds who love Resident Evil and know the existence of yeah. those dolls. For the, so the I think few it's less about when, not having an idea and yeah, knowing it's target audience. Yeah, would have been into that creepy shit. But I don't know. Like, I just I don't think it's creepy. I think it's... Yeah. I, I think it's one of those things that 
people have said it's creepy enough long enough that everyone just kind of agrees without thinking about it. Sort of like how America is the only place in the world that's scared of clowns. Like, ooh, clowns are creepy, and everyone says that long enough. Oh, that, that's like, not true, my friend. That's not. I'm not true. scared of clowns. I'm my, scared my, of pedophiles, and I think there's a lot of crossover. <laughs> my my Japanese, my Japanese students, a lot of them do not like mm. clowns. I can tell you that right now. It's not just America. But what a better comparison would be is how bothered people are by the word moist just yeah. because a select few people told them that it was a disgusting yep. sounding word. It's, it's literally word. on it was bother. literally on every cake box in the world. You go to buy a cake mix or something, moist is on there. Moist. Take it and off. Like it everyone me. was fine with it until what? 15, 20 years ago? Seven, eight years ago? Yeah, that's right. True. Um, I just to, to comment on on the house itself. I, yes, bring I think it back, I, Rich. Bring it back. I'm, bring us back. I mirror a lot of what a a lot of what Josh was saying, and then I I I don't think it really pulls off the PT thing. I think it's clear that's what they were going for. Um, I also think more than anything, it falls in line to being the section that is the most similar to Resident Evil Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like puzzle structure and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and while the the sheer idea of the giant baby enemy doesn't freak me out, it is the only time in this game I was running from something and going, <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. But I think that's less because I was actually scared of it and more because I had no weapons. Yeah. And I was being chased by a giant mutant yes. baby towards an elevator. Yeah, mechanically, it, it does yeah. push it more in the horror direction just because of the way you interact with stuff. Yeah, and the thing too is, thankfully, I ne- I've played it through the game three times now. Um, I think I have to do one or two more playthroughs to get the full trophies. Uh, I haven't had time to sit down and complete. Are you close it, to getting the lightsaber? Because that's what I want. I I'm mm. getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, I haven't picked it up for a few weeks because I've been plugging away at another game. But um, I knew because just the way the thing looks, and like you said, you don't have weapons. The last thing I wanted to do was be caught and figure out how this thing kills me. <laughs> so I refuse to find out how you die by this baby abomination. But like, um, I like there was know, a trophy for it. Well, that's that's the there's a trophy for dying hmm. by the baby for getting killed by the baby. Oh, is it really? I guess no, no. I said what I said. What if there was? <laughs> Would you? Yeah, oh, like, I, okay. Honestly, I feel like a lot of the other stuff that's it's it's just twisted stuff that you should know like from your house from you know grandma's house type stuff works so much better like um like the mannequin with devil horns well like the like the film reels and stuff where you're seeing just watching a film of a place you are in in that like it's just creepy like that's just what movie is it where that's like the whole concept I feel, there's like a horror movie where like people find film reels in their house of people being killed I, I in their house. I can't. It's That's gotta be, but like I remember this. I feel like a lot of the other sections of that work better than the parts where you're actually being chased. Um, as far as just being much more disturbing. Yeah. I, um, well, I think that that was kind of the big comparison there with PT. I think that what's so incredible about PT is the short space it's in and how much that happens. And I think the other incredible thing about PT as well is in some ways we didn't get a full yeah. game because well, then it probably be, wouldn't be as, as touted as being this pinnacle of an experience. 
And um, one of the things I want to mention um, before I let you jump back in there, Josh, I, I saw that you were wanting to say something, is that I re- what I really liked about PT is because they had such a short amount of space to do stuff with, they really wrung yeah. their hands of every possible thing they could do in that little yep. hallway where this game does a fairly good job of that but it feels like some of those concepts aren't taken to their fullest potential you're answering a phone and that's a little bit creepy but if they had done something a little bit Ooh, more like a landline behind you you know that that would have been scary i think they do a good job of like doors flinging opening open and closing one of the one of the probably the scariest parts in the game for me um was when the lights shut off when you do pretty much all the puzzles and this is right before the baby abomination comes in and you're in that room adjacent to the one where the mannequin is where you're unscrewing the body parts to get clues and stuff and you see that form walk by the darkened window that part scared the shit out of me, not because it was like a jump scare, but it was like, fuck, I know something's coming next and I don't want to see what's coming. And mm-hmm. th- that was like, those kind of moments are so great. Or like when Dreading you're watching the moment the fi- is worse than it, the moment is, a, is exactly. Right. A lot or harder, when you're watching the film reel and you have to go into that well and you know, something's like you, nothing ends up actually happening, but it's like the anticipation of exactly. build up is Act- everything. Exactly. Yes. yes. And I wish they had more of those moments. I, they had a good amount, but I wish they had more. And I wish they maximized yeah. the output of some of those moments, which PT does. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, that's what I was talking about earlier with the idea of like twisting something you know. PT does that over and over and over again, where you're in the same space, seeing the same thing, but it's off every time. Like, it's not. There's always something that's, you know, just different enough to unsettle you. Um, it twists concepts we know, like the bathroom or Norman Reedus. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but like, I, I still think that's an extremely strong section of the game. But, yeah, like I kind of... I feel like it stumbles in a few spots and it's not even like it stumbles stumbles but it's like I don't know like I feel like they because it's a fairly short section they kind of they release the tension that they're building up sooner than I feel like they should have like I feel like there's there's more that they they really could have done more with what they were building up there but it's a fairly short section of the game um well, and I think that kind of lines up max, with probably, the right? devs. I think the devs, as as has been mentioned and covered a lot, is that they took the advice that seven was too scary for a lot of people, so they wanted to make sure that they didn't make a game that scary. So I think for the general audience, yes, that section works and it works really well, and that's not meant as a backhanded um, compliment. That's not meant as like a put down of anybody who found that section scary because i found it fucking scary and it worked really well for me um i just also see like these guys are saying there's potential for more and i wouldn't complain if they decided to release dlc saying here's more of the house here's an actual extended sequence that we cut of this and it's a few hours long and if you want to play it here you go 
I would be on board with something like that if they chose to release something like there, that. I think that'd be a really smart way to drop that. There's a piece of DLC for seven that I think is one of the best horror focused things they did, um, which is basically like a virtual escape room almost. You're playing as a different character and it takes place in the second building of seven, which is that house on kind of like on the edge of the bayou that Marguerite is running. And the concept is you're being held hostage by Marguerite in a room and you're on like a timer and you're trying to search for a way out. But when you hear her coming back, you need to put the room back into the state it was before she left. So she doesn't realize what you're doing. That's um, awesome. It was a really cool uh, yeah, piece of that's DLC. really cool. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like just the little things were the scariest. But, like, that phone, I didn't fucking answer that phone. Like, no, are you kidding me? I'm not answering that fucking phone. <laughs> but what if it was my dad? <laughs> like, that was that was scarier than the, you know, the, you know, oh, creepy baby stuff. When it's just like, I'm glad your brain does that, Josh, because mine immediately goes the other way. If it's something I would never do in real life, I'm immediately <laughs> doing it right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, yeah, I I really like that section a lot. I just wish that um, there's a world where we got more of that section, just because I want more of PT inspired yeah. stuff. Because obviously that one demo has had so much influence in horror and suspense games in the past six seven years. So I just want more. That's that's all that boils down. You heard down him, to Kojima, it, make a horror game. Instead of whatever Death Stranding was. Wasn't that a horror game? Oh, I'm sorry, a Strand yeah. game. Yeah, well, we can only wish. But let's move on. Let's get let's get to the next section. We still have a long ways to go, guys. So let's let's move on to the next. What do you mean? We're halfway through. There's only four <laughs> horsemen. I mean, technically, we are halfway through the script as well. Ethan makes his way to Moreau's territory. After some really fun water puzzle sequences confronts and defeats Moreau, the Moreau Abomination. Yeah, I'm blowing through it that quickly, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Ethan, as he leaves, learns a little bit more about what turned the villagers into lichens and abominations. Before he heads to find Heisenberg, he learns that Chris Redfield's squad is also in the village. Ethan goes to Heisenberg's territory, the factory, and takes the final flask. Heisenberg reveals... That it was a test for Ethan, and that he wants them to team up together to take Miranda down. Ethan declines after Heisenberg reveals that he wants to use Rosemary as a weapon. Now, I know that a lot of people were mixed on the Moreau and Heisenberg sections. Some people loved Moreau's section because of the puzzles, and others felt like it was the most lacking of the four horsemen areas. And some people loved the Heisenberg section because it was loaded with action, while others felt like it shirked the horror elements that the former portions of the game established. Because each area of the Four Horsemen feels like its own area in every conceivable way, mechanics included, did the game feel disjointed to you guys, or did it fall in line with what the plot was doing? And I'm going to go ahead and throw it first to you, Rich. I think it does feel disjointed in a sense that you can see the seams. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing here. Um, it, keep, it keeps uh, the variety up, and I'm not so invested in taking Resident Evil's so story so fucking seriously that it matters to me. 
Um, points deducted from Moreau, because as far as I could tell, except for the lichens, like, his thing was not making human-animal hybrids, as far as I could tell. Not in an interesting way, at least. Um, but he did have a magnum on hand, so I guess that's pretty cool. And he was a freaky fish guy. Um, so that's also pretty cool. Uh, and, and yeah, the Heisenberg factory feels like the most action oriented section, even, even having a lot of those enemy types, uh, that very much remind me of four with the, the weak points, uh, on the bodies. It, but again, disjointed, but I don't think it's a problem here. Yeah. Um, the Moreau section, I don't think is good. Um, it's you're essentially running through a hallway all the way down one way, and then you fight a boss and run all the way back. Come all the way back. Um, it's really weak, uh, just from like a. They do they they do a cool a few interesting things just like story wise, having you talk directly to Moreau and kind of you know see some family dynamics there and whatnot that I think are I think are good. Um, but it just... I was not a fan of that section. Um, there's just... There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of combat, even. You kind of... You collect tons and tons of ammo. Don't... Don't use much of it. He's basically the only yeah, real enemy don't, in like, the you area. You don't need much of it because there's exploding barrels all over the place that do most of the actual fighting for you in that boss. And then because of that... Like, you could tell they realized that. And then, uh, honestly, I don't think the factory is all that combat-focused. Everyone talks like it is, but really it's the it's like the gauntlet of, like, the Lycan hideout before you get there that you just blow through all your ammo. Because there's so many enemies in there on your way to the factory that you just... There's, there, there's a ton of bullet spongy enemies. enemies and not necessarily and, the way everything's laid out, um, you, just, you, 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 you do. You, like, you use up almost all your ammo getting through that section, and then you get to the factory. And I feel like the factory does a really good job of being one of the better horror sections, kind of kind of like the castle again, um, where you don't have a lot of ammo left over. You've got a lot more upgraded guns, so you're stronger. You can do more with the very limited ammo you have. But, like, I was watching my ammo a lot in that segment i did i did something that i hadn't done since four again just because i remembered doing this because in four they do a similar thing at the castle at the end as well where you just there's not a lot of ammo in that section were you knee capping and knifing uh well that too but i was doing the thing where if you upgrade the ammo capacity of your gun it'll refill the uh the ammo Yep, so you, the cartridge, you use yeah. all your ammo going through a section, you come back, you upgrade your ammo, and <laughs> and you finally have bullets again. Uh, let's just remember not to reload, because you'll, you'll accidentally waste ammo. Um, that does a real doozy on uh, the second playthrough when you put a literal mm-hmm. drum on your handgun. <laughs> like, Can I get exactly. 40 free bullets? Um, and it's just, like, I... I didn't think to do that at any other point in the game because there's plenty of ammo other than like the very, very beginning. Um, like, bef- like the, like the first kind of, um, encounter with the lichens when you just get there, there's not a lot of ammo, but then it, 
in, mm-hmm. until the end again i never really felt like that was an issue um Right. I don't. I don't know. Like I. I feel like the factory is a lot stronger than a lot of people are giving it credit for. I think it's a really strong. Section. Oh, I don't think it's bad. Um, I. I just think it's more action oriented. And that might be a contrast to the last time we were really encountering enemies in any big way was the castle, which at that point yeah. is hours ago. Um, I feel like there's a big drop off in combat from that castle area through Donna Beneviento. Uh, yeah, unless reservoir. you're going to do some optional stuff along the way, you don't really do an awful lot of combat again in, until that True. section. Most of the combat is in the village in between that, when you're searching new houses you can access. Right, and so, like some enemies, new enemies popping up in areas that you've already kind of cleared out, like some of those big dog abomination looking yep. things start popping up, especially if you get in on the harder difficulties, so they start throwing those the guy with the big fan head the village as well yeah. but um yeah i like it feels disjointed but for me i didn't mind that it didn't bother me i actually really liked it because it to me reminded me a lot of god of war in that you have that central hub area and then you go to the different realms hmm. and they're all kind of different from each other but they're still contained in the same game and a lot of the and they all add to the narrative. And it kind of felt like that way to me that each area was very much its own, but it still felt very connected to the plot of what was going on. And I was okay with that. Um, I liked that. And it actually lent itself to being able to allow them to pay homage to a lot of the earlier titles. So it, it was cool that it did that. I also felt like at times it messed up the pacing a little bit um, as a result, or they unintentionally messed up the pacing. Like you guys are talking about how um, you go from the castle, which is a ton of combat to the next few sections where, which are a little bit less combat. And then the combat's kind of ramped up again. Um, unless you're doing more exploration, exploration, like Josh is saying, I felt like the pacing was off a little bit as a result of that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It, di- it wasn't enough to take me out of the game, but it, it's, it's important to note here. I think, that. It's not bad enough to stop you if you are enjoying yeah. yourself, which I was inj- immensely enjoying myself, but but it is a right. bit un- unevenly paced. There's no denying that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not bad. It's just worth mentioning um, if somebody wants a very streamlined from beginning to end story that it's not that. And it's not necessarily bad. And a lot of the mechanics and everything else that's going on kind of make up for that, thankfully. The combat is solid enough to where it makes up the exploration and the puzzle are fun I was distracted by all those ball and labyrinth Mm -hmm. puzzles those are great I love those I I I like those a lot yeah I love those kind of labyrinths Uh, it reminds me of my childhood so I love looking Um, at pictures of pigs and then seeking them out to kill them (laughs) that's true too that's true too let's get to the next section Ethan confronts Chris who reveals that the Mia Chris killed was actually Miranda in disguise Miranda is capable of mimicry and she was attempting to kidnap Rosemary. She succeeded when she crashed the transport truck. Chris destroys Heisenberg's factory, and Ethan uses a machine to kill Heisenberg. Miranda appears and kills Ethan as she tells him that she will take Rosemary as her own child. So I have one like quick hitter question for you guys. 
Oftentimes I can look past loose plot lines in order to suspend the disbelief of moving the story forward. But I struggled when it was revealed that Miranda was posing as Mia. She had been pretending to be Mia for a little while at that point. And you guys mean to tell me that there wasn't a single possible moment where she couldn't have escaped with Rosemary without Ethan knowing about it? Um, that's not even <laughs> the problem I have. Um, the problem I have was that Chris burst into the door like a drunken asshole and couldn't to explain take two what was going to on to Ethan, to Ethan yeah. what was happening. He's like, he, it was like a Rick Sanchez momentum. He's like, there's, there's, there's no time, Ethan. There's no, there's no time. We gotta, we, we gotta go to Europe. <laughs> yeah, like they're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, is well the the well the thing too. I mean, that doesn't bother me as much because Miranda's supposed to be this very powerful. Well, no, I mean, after they think being, they've killed which her, we're going to learn here. Very- they're going in a van and leaving. Just take him with you and start explaining yeah, what's like happening that's, here. That's, yeah, like it's the that's after the fact too. stuff. Which that part is true. Um, yes. What? Whatever. I don't want to have to talk to a person. Mm-hmm. Knock him unconscious. Exactly. Um. <sighs> Yeah, there, there's some, there's some logical. The Miranda leaps, thing, I, th- I think, is an easy write-off. Whatever. For me. Yeah, but it's Resident Evil. Like, yeah. how does Heisenberg is, know about this, Chris and the yeah, Boulder? I feel like we're just missing the the Ada Wong chapters. Yeah, that'll, that'll explain a lot. She was, she was, she was cut. Mm-hmm. Look at that concept art, baby. She should have been there saving our skin. Yeah, I, I, I try not to take the story too seriously, and I, I very much largely didn't. But that one particular segment was like how Mia was not real Mia and it was Miranda. I was like, all right, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just move forward and just be dissatisfied with it. Because I mean, even though the story has been crazy up to this point, it's been consistent. And that just felt like very like hand wavy. Let's keep just pushing this. It explains forward. how she took a yeah, bullet like, like you'd, a you'd think You'd think she would have just poisoned it does. Ethan it at some that, point but it does. along the way. And it just kind of just left and just yeah. left. I like to think that she was falling Aww. in love. <laughs> there we go. Unexpected yeah, romance. This story, because of that, Rich, <laughs> actually this whole game is about romance. That's what my takeaway from it is. But All right, let's move forward. That was just a quick funny aside I wanted to ask you guys about. A lot of text here, so get ready. After witnessing Ethan's death, Chris and his squad lead an assault to extract Rosemary. At the same time, a BSAA task force distracts and attacks Miranda as well. Following an incredibly fun and rewarding action sequence in the village, Chris enters a cave where he discovers the Megamycete, the source of the mold. He plants a bomb on it. He also discovers Miranda's lab, which contains a bunch of information, such as how she lived a century before encountering the Megamycete was a mentor to Umbrella Corporation's founder, Oswell Spencer. How Oswell used the information to form the T-Virus. Miranda experimented with the mold to try and revive her daughter. The Four Horsemen. The Lycan. And how everything in the village was a failed experiment. Chris also discovers that Miranda learned of Rosemary being a suitable host for the mold after inheriting abilities from Mia and Ethan. What? Last, Chris discovers the real Mia, who was imprisoned. She reveals that her husband is still alive because... It's not really Ethan? Now why do I say that? Well, 
Let's take a quick trip down Crazy Lane. Ethan died during the events of Seven, but because of the mold, it absorbed his consciousness. The mold becomes Ethan, and Ethan was the mold. Confused? I understand if you are. This summer, Marvel presents <laughs> Mold Man. Mold Man. Now, Rich, I remember a few weeks ago when we were discussing Ethan getting his hand cut off and seemingly healing it by pouring liquid onto it, to which you said the narrator or the narr- narrative goes out of its way to explain mm-hmm. why. The last of the big twists has been dropped. But more importantly, the plot takes an interesting turn. Now, I can't speak as much to this, but you two can. They managed to tie this game fairly heavily into the other games by having Miranda be the influence for everything that Umbrella Corporation did after Oswell met her. What did you guys kind of think about this reveal and how it tied this game to all the other games that heavily involved the Umbrella Corporation? I think you could argue it's a little uh, ham-fisted. Like, prequel, baby. I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I think it's fine because it's Resident Evil and it's so ridiculous. And you had to get an answer for why there's all this like very umbrella mm-hmm. iconography here. Um, and uh, I, I think it, it justifies the weird setting here and all that. It's interesting. And they needed to find a way after throwing Chris in at the end of seven to get this all back to Chris and Leon and Jill and Claire, um, which I I think they managed to pull off in in a smart way Mm -hmm. here uh, that I'm interested to see where they go with it. What was more interesting to me was them going out of their way to justify how Ethan, because I want to clarify, I think you said at the end of seven, no, 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 they, the first is the first thing that happens to Ethan in seven is that he dies is what they, they say. And if you remember, Ethan has his hand ripped off and stapled back on multiple yeah. times in seven too. For some reason, a lot of people on the internet started to complain about it in this one. Um, like if you remember, if you look down in, in seven, the way you checked your stats, they weren't always floating on the screen. You had like a yeah, smart watch on you had to look bit. at. And when Ethan's taken captive by the family, they stapled his hand back on him. And he's fine. Uh, so th- they explained all that stuff away, and it's dumb as fuck, but I thought it was really cool. Actually, that's one of yeah. Ethan's yeah. most interesting character traits, and we didn't get to know about it until he was dead, which is a uh, little... Well, we really didn't get to know him at all until he was dead. We just didn't yeah. learn that until now. Which also kind of does explain the other thing with why she wouldn't just, you know kill Ethan and leave. She probably was more interested in Ethan after she realized she was that he was a mushroom. Then Or maybe she did several times and she was like, "All right, I'll leave in the morning." And then he would just be back. <laughs> yeah. Unknowingly, mm-hmm. he revived himself. Yeah. Which I mean, even though it's a little bit also like out of the realm of craziness even more so, but it would kind of make sense because he didn't realize that he was the mold. Yep. So, would he realize that he would revive himself after being killed? Who knows? But That's at my that point, cap. why? Yeah, <laughs> I am the weirdest mold. shit has happened. But no, I like I said, I can't speak too much to it. But I think it's cool, even though it's ham-fisted, that they're trying to tie things yeah. together, um, tie up interesting um, history in their own way. Obviously, there's nothing that's ever going to compare to the extensiveness of something like J.R.R. Tolkien 
and his extensive backstory of everything that happens in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. But I thought I thought it was entertaining enough for me. <laughs> Maybe so. someday. Who knows? Who knows? But let's jump back in really quickly. Ethan revives with his mold powers. The Duke brings Ethan to the ritual site where Miranda is attempting to revive Eva. Now, I wanted to briefly discuss the Duke because he's an awesome character whose past is left pretty nebulous and mysterious. Do you think that this adds to his endearing qualities? And Josh, do you think that this is the last that we see of him? I think it is probably the last we see of him. Um, probably. Probably. Like, they don't generally bring... Eh. I think he's supposed to... I think part of that mysteriousness is supposed to put him on the level of the Resident yeah. Evil Merchant, the stranger. That that That's yeah. why I don't think we'll see him again. He even makes a reference to the, the Merchant from 4 um, that it's supposed to, again, be this mysterious stranger who you know, is using capitalism to justify mm-hmm. his interest in your success. Um, I did. I did really like the way they implemented, uh, you know, the merchant in this game. I think they did an excellent job again. Like, they don't try to justify it at all in 4. He's just there. And he laughs exactly. at his own it's like it's, basically. He knows how absurd it is that he's there selling bullets, you know, during this zombie apocalypse everything going on with, you know, cultists and everything, and, you know, the present. Exactly. But don't buy your exactly. weird doll you found. Um, yeah, like, I, I really like the merchant. Um, he's just, yeah, he's a fun character. He's got more personality than the stranger did, and like, he just, he, he feels like someone you kind of would enjoy talking I, to once you, you know, have a break. And I think he only has more personality (laughs) than the stranger because you needed someone to speak with. Like, when you think back to 4, like, Leon had Hunnigan. So he had, like, someone to have a conversation with while he was doing all this. Ethan is entirely alone. So, like, his few moments of interaction are, like, him putting some ammo on the table and being like, fuck's up with this, am I right? (laughs) Exactly. Um, Like, the only other person there is... Chris Redfield, and every time he shows up, like, you know, he he's, he's smoking yeah, a cigarette like he, and staring he, like, at his he, feet. You know, kicks you in the shins and steals your lunch money and then leaves. Like, every time. You're like, what the <laughs> fuck, Chris? But, um... Exactly. I told you to stop following me! Um, and, yeah, like, he kind of... Yeah, he does. He kind of fills the same role as, you know, a lot of the other like, partner characters or whoever, you know friend on the radio or whatever like he's like he's somebody to talk to um so you can kind of yeah you know so you don't have a completely silent protagonist which is kind of what the game could have easily fallen into and yeah or or they don't spend way too much time Mm -hmm. talking to themselves in a way that seems awkward right i i'm not gonna add too much there i i don't think this is the last we've seen of him uh, reason being is that he does these things to help Ethan and it seems like out of benevolence but like I feel like one thing that Resident Evil has done such a good job of at least in the games that I've experienced playing because I haven't played them all is that each character 
has a very specific motive and intent. As we saw with Heisenberg, he had his own intent. Uh, Donna, she had her own intent. Everybody has their own goals and missions and directives. And so I think to see that character being this kind character who's just going out of his way to help, it's a breath of fresh air, but also I feel like that there's something underlying, like there's a deeper reason reason that he's doing these things. So I don't think this is a lot. Where's best customer? <laughs> yeah, we brought him a soggy cigar Maybe. that one time. Yeah. He paid a lot of money mm-hmm. for and it. And some lipstick. And some lipstick, but... Yeah, we're almost done, guys. Let's get into the last little bit of story here. We have two more quick story sections. Miranda revives Mo- Rose... But, 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 time, time out. Take two. Let's go. Miranda revives... <laughs> Oh, I almost made it. Miranda revives Rosemary and is influenced by... Hmm. Oh, my fucking God. How am I... Guys, help me. Okay. Miranda revives Rosemary and is infuriated by Ethan. They fight, and Ethan kills her. The Megamycete emerges from the ground. Ethan begins to deteriorate because his powers have reached their limit. He sacrifices himself to detonate the Megamycete bomb. Chris transports Mia, Rosemary, and his squad to safety. Chris learns the soldiers sent by BSAA to the village are organic bioweapons. He orders his squad to the BSAA headquarters. Now, before we do the dash to the end, I had a quick question on the ending. The final shot of Ethan comes out of the first-person view and gives us an overhead shot, yet never revealing his face. Now, Rich, I don't know about you, but that shot was really awkward for me. I felt like there was no need for it if they weren't going to reveal Ethan's face. Did you feel any specific kind of way about it, or was it just whatever to you? It's so dumb. I... I was literally baffled by the, like, camera angles they're doing to, like, have somebody's elbow or hand blocking his face. He's just, like, a blonde white guy. Just show us what he looks like. Who fucking cares? Just give him a face. The the mechanical reason there is that he doesn't have a head. Um, Yeah, I mean, like like most first-person characters, you're just arms and legs, just whatever you need to be able to see looking down. And obviously, because it's you know it's a horror game, the rest of your body that you can look down and see being mangled from all the other kill animations. E- Ethan Winters is the faceless old woman. Yeah, who so they, they never rendered his head. It's like okay, we like do we really want to uh, make a head for this guy for the one shot? And, no, no, it's not worth it. it. Was I think it's more on principle at this point. Um, than anything like they, they could have but just decided he was too much mm-hmm. of a cypher character uh it's just it was insanely stupid they wanted to try and elicit emotion without ever showing this guy's face it really which is funny ends up coming off as yeah comical well there's so many reasons for that too i mean first off exactly for what you guys are saying but second it was the worst animated sequence in the entire game. The animation was so fucking bad in that segment. It was notice there's a noticeable dip in quality in that one area as compared to the rest of the game. It like 
and the, the music is like swelling to because obviously he's about to detonate the bomb and i was just like this is just so fucking disjointed and everything that's happening like i felt like at that moment if they were going to do that not having the music swelter but just be this quiet haunting piano the music was fire a few notes ringing out slowly they yeah. should have played moonlight sonata <laughs> they should have played flight of the bumblebees but no um yeah, it was just so awkward and the only way i could see that whole entire sequence being redeemed granted it doesn't break the game but it was just so fucking ridiculous what would be for them to be like well this character is actually the duke or something you know like crazy like that he becomes the duke and that's why you never see his face like has some tie-in like there's a reason why his face doesn't show and it pays off in a it's really like somebody from fun you know and cool way later yeah. on even was yeah. the duke all along we are all the duke all along yeah i don't know like again wow. like i think ethan is such a nothing character that like i mean it's fitting it's fitting that you don't see his face because like why why would you remember his face um like it's true. Because <sighs> I see it in the mirror every day. I, I don't know. It did. It did seem yeah. unnecessary it's, to it's, me. I think Chris but, should have had a line where he's like, "I'll remember this day. I'll yeah. remember." You. And then it never shows you his face. Like that would have been put a amazing. Hang a lampshade on it, and I think it could have. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're gonna do something exactly. stupid, really draw it, like they do it. in a lot of other situations, but not well, here. Like. Well, that's like DS9, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine with Morn. At first, they had this this kind of uh, this character in the backdrop. And people were, like, curious about him. And so they started bringing him back more. And then people got even more curious about him. So then they started building this presence and aura around this character named Morn. And he never says a single fucking line in the entire seven seasons. And they played with mm-hmm. that. They would be like, oh, Morgan, or more Morgan, Morgan's such a chatterbox. Um, he never he never shuts up, but you never hear him talk on the entire show. Yeah. And they... We can't get they, that guy to stop talking. Right, yeah, exactly. And if they had done something, granted, it would have taken the whole entire wind out of the emotional response that they were trying to evoke. I would have been like, you know what? That just elevated itself to probably the greatest game of the decade. If they would have been like, if Chris would have been like, uh, I'll never forget your face after never showing his face to the audience, mm-hmm. that would have been amazing. That, uh, but yeah, it was just really awkward. They should have like, kissed. That, that, I'm glad they didn't put more stock into that because then I think it would have completely derailed the experience for me. But yeah, it, it was just not necessary, I don't think. So. All right, mad dash to the end. Here we go, guys. It's really long, so prepare. In the post-credits scene, we see a teenage Rosemary paying respects to Ethan's tombstone before she is called to a new mission from an undisclosed organization. And that's how the game ends. (laughs) Not such a long one. I lied. The game ends by saying it is now her story. Josh? Do you think that the next Resident Evil game will be centered around Rosemary, or are we just going to get some form of DLC that continues her story? Um, I would like 
a Resident Evil story where you actually have abilities. Yeah, like abilities? like so many. Yeah, exactly. Like Mold so powers. many of the enemies you've you know been facing this whole time. It's it's an interesting. You exactly. you are it's, a bio it's an weapon interesting now. Concept. Um, Bioshock meets Resident I, Evil. I don't Ford. know how they'd handle that in order to make it like fun from a gameplay perspective, but I want to see it. Um, yeah, totally. Um, I, I think that that's how they should end cap this sort of trilogy um, about the Winter's family, I guess, um, is that it should be you playing as Rose. I, I also think it'd be weird if they didn't go there because obviously they made a point to like point out a discern like a, a, yeah. a clear time jump so i presumably resident evil 9 will be set in the future um and then just give me like i don't know give me old man leon dlc yeah <laughs> isn't isn't the worst thing in the world i think we'll see another installment with her in it and it's going to be more than just dlc i don't see why they do that but you know i think you still you might get a dlc but i don't think that'll be the focus of it if they do a dlc i would like them to use some of those cut concepts and do a resident evil village operation ada uh like give me give me that yeah i'd enjoy that okay two more quick questions guys and we are done as an overall package rich did you feel like the story entertained you absolutely i it's dumb it's bombastic i loved it yeah, Josh? yeah, no. Any any Resident Evil game with Captain Kid in it, you gotta love. Mm-hmm. Love the pirates. <laughs> Anime, I, I, right? I will say simply, I really liked their their loose, and I say loose very very candidly, um, loose attempt to bring in some kind of science with it with the Megamycete and how fungi works. I like that they kind of explored around that. Uh, being someone who went to college for biology and studied some kind of uh, some forms of fungi and everything, I really like that. Um, it was kind of cool, rather than it just being a virus. Like they were trying to make it something more. Yeah. There, this is a story, like Rich said, very bombastic and crazy, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. Whereas something like Resident Evil 2, which is a game I really enjoyed and played in my childhood, was so, it felt like it was so, trying to be so much more rooted in reality with, um, while flirting with the supernatural. Was it, though? I, where this game Resident was Evil just 2 is like, pretty dumb. <laughs> it is pretty dumb as well, but it feels like it is trying to be more realistic where this game is just like, nah, let's not do that. And I love it for that reason. I like I love Resident Evil 2 a lot. I love this game for very different reasons. And it's because it's so self-aware yeah. that it's ridiculous, except that one ending sequence with Ethan. And because of that, I could allow myself to fully enjoy it. The story. So Okay. Last question. It is customary that we do this here. If you have never heard an episode of this podcast, we our mission is not only to just have fun and talk about the ins and outs of the story of this game. One of the things we like to do here is we, we talk about these games in great detail, especially with the story is because we want to give you the listener a recommendation. And obviously most of you who are listening to this have already played the game. And so you don't need that recommendation, but we still like to do it anyways um, because it's, it's all part of the experience. So 
Rich, do you recommend this game? I recommend you go buy it right now. Um, I'm a giant Resident Evil fan. That's no secret. Uh, this is definitely up there as one of my favorite entries in the series at this point. Um, knowing that, that 4 is my, my favorite is probably no surprise to anyone who played this because it is very much uh, an iteration on that. I'd go out buy it right now. Perfect. Um, Josh? Yes. Yeah, and kind of in a similar vein... Um, like I honestly think four and eight are kind of the only ones I'd really recommend. Um, not that the others are bad, but like I feel like they just—it's just a more satisfying package having the combat be just really satisfying as well as everything else going on. Um, it just—it works well. Like I feel like five and six kind of fell in the trap of. Oh man, they liked it when our combat was good. Let's make two action games. Um, yeah, and this, yeah, it really nicely. does. It's it's a really good balance of being satisfying gameplay um, and having the rest of the narrative, you know, and horror elements work. And as a as a bonus recommendation, if you've never played four, it's available on every electronic mm-hmm. device you own. What a glowing endorsement. No, I... Um, so find yourself an original Wii and play it on that. Succinctly. Mm-hmm. That's a good version. <laughs> to wrap my thoughts up succinctly, yes, I absolutely recommend this game. Um, I really enjoyed the Resident Evil 2 remake, and that was kind of my first big foray foray back into the, the Resident Evil universe for a long, long time. I really fell off of it. And I know this this franchise or this IP means a lot to a lot of people. Um, And I think that this was such an incredible game and experience in that it takes a lot from a lot of the previous titles and marries them in such a fun, interesting and beautiful way. And I think the gameplay holds consistently throughout. I think the voice acting and the capturing is awesome. Obviously we didn't talk about that because we were doing story phenomenal the uh, graphics and the um, artistic direction visually is incredible in this game. And the story itself um, is wild and ridiculous, as you just heard. But honestly, I loved it for that reason. Um, It never takes itself too seriously. It, It keeps the story moving at a pretty quickened pace. If you want more, the documentation is there, and it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, if you want to read some of that supplemental material. So, yeah, I absolutely recommend this game. It's a ton of fun. And there, it's what's one really cool thing about this game is that there are a bunch of things to do after you finish it one time. It very much encourages you to play it multiple times. So you get your money's worth out of that. And how can you how can you complain about that? I mean, it's it's the campaign, the first playthrough is about 12 hours, depending on how much you explore. And figure stuff out how much how much you struggle with it, and the difficulty you put it on. And every time you play it subsequently, you get faster and faster. And you look and you find new things in the game that you missed the first time. So go unlock the um, Chicago typewriter. Exactly, exactly. But I want to say thank you so much to listening to this show. Um, I want to thank Rich. Thank you so much for being here, talking about zombies and lichens and everything else with me. Josh, 
Thank you to you as well for being here. And I want to thank you, the listener. Um, thank you so much for checking this out. It feels good to actually get back and do a, one of these episodes again. It had been a really long time. And sometimes these episodes are the f- most enjoyable things that we do here at Sword Chomp. So um, I'm not going to go through all the admin stuff again. I'm just going to simply say if you go to swordchomp.com, you can figure out many, many ways to support us. Um, and the best way to support us, honestly, is tell a friend. If you liked this episode, if you thought we were insightful or entertaining or anything, tell a friend. Have them check this episode out, and uh, hopefully they get brought into the world along with you of Sorchomp. But thank you so much, and uh, we will be back next month with some really exciting episodes. Thank you so much, and take care.